Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. Thanks for joining us for another Stories from the Field episode where we're connecting with different people who are able to drive home the impact of organizations and their work around the globe. If you're looking for tactical ways to move forward and make this type of impact in your endeavors, then you need to check out Journey to Social Entrepreneurship, an entire event designed to harness the power of service and move forward towards successful social enterprise. Check that out and unlock all of the recordings, my free gift to you at journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com. And with that, we've got some incredible stories on the line today. On Wednesday, we connected with Kate Marie, founder of Babies for Babies, to hear how they are doubling down on their positive impact, both through ensuring they have a clean supply chain, not to mention made here in the U.S., as well as saving four lives with every purchase. To drive home the impact and dig into the details of how purchases actually save lives, we have Dr. Tara Sarazian, president, co-founder, and medical director for Saving Mothers, a powerful nonprofit working to eradicate preventable maternal deaths and birth-related complications in the developing world. Doctor, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So Saving Mothers has a big mission, working to save more than 340,000 women who die during childbirth every year. What is the primary reason for these preventable deaths? Well, there are a whole host of reasons in these low resource settings uh, for maternal death, but the number one reason is usually postpartum hemorrhage, which is actually bleeding to death at delivery. A close second is infections at delivery, where the woman has an infected uterus and will subsequently die um, from an infection. Those just sound like absolutely terrible, terrible situations. Why are these happening? Well, mostly, I think one of the most common reasons that they're happening is that the people delivering the women are not trained providers in many settings. So most women around the globe are actually delivered by untrained or unskilled or semi-skilled birth attendants um, and have been delivered by by these birth attendants for many, many years. Um, And the issues become that when there is a complication or an emergency, the attendants often are not trained to address that emergency and also cannot easily easily refer women to a clinic or nearby hospital because of the rural settings in which many women birth. So with these attendants, what work specifically is Saving Mothers doing to help train them? So we actually in Guatemala have a, a whole school, um, and we call it the School of Power, P-O-W-H-E-R. And in our School of Power, we educate the birth attendants through numerous classes held over a series of four months. We teach them about reproductive anatomy. We teach them about obstetric emergencies. We teach them how to address all of these things. We teach them how to perform prenatal visits and what things to look for in the home. We teach them what things make a woman high risk for pregnancy. We teach them about contraception and family planning. So we give them a whole a whole host of different educational topics. 
And we also teach them how to use very basic tools, including the birth kit. The school of power. I absolutely love that. Since since creating this school, what are you starting to see in these communities as far as ensuring that these women are a little bit healthier and they survive pregnancy? Well, I think the most amazing thing that I've seen come out of the school of power, and actually it stands for something. It's an acronym. Do share. (laughs) It stands for providing outreach in women's health and educational resources. So it's not a very sexy, um, you know, full description, but it's what we do. We, we educate, we train, um, we do what we call capacity building so that the women are left with far more than just us coming in for a visit um, or just us giving them a birth kit, but, you know, rather they're left with sustainable health care in their communities. Oh, that emphasis on sustainable is so key. And with these sustainable measures, what are you seeing in the community? Oh, we are seeing that the women have created a community of women that has grown and grown and grown. So the birth attendants in Guatemala, for example, are women. They're women that now we've trained and we've empowered. So they have a set of skills that they're very proud of. Um, They go into the homes of other women. They teach them about warning signs and things to kind of, you know, be aware of in pregnancy and childbirth. And they refer them to the hospitals. And the two together, the women, comadronas, we call them, birth attendants, and the women themselves, the pregnant women, have created this cycle and community of women that sort of help shape and empower one another through discussions, through community building, through raising awareness um, among other women in that area um, who then go out and seek the services of our comadronas. You're training, you're empowering, you're educating, and you're building community. That is some, that is some powerful work right there. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of doing this kind of work. I mean, the real, you know, most important outcome of the work we do is that this community be much stronger without us there. So in order to do that, they really need to have all the skills, have all the knowledge and be able to execute, you know, all of the maternal care that we would like to see you know, in the community. So everyone helping each other and building that momentum and building that community only helps bring women to the hospital faster when they have real emergencies, um, alert the comadrona when they have an emergency at home, you know, and teach other women about their bodies, um, their pregnancies and their selves. To be stronger without you. I mean, what a mission to strive for. And that really is diving into the core of empowerment. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is the ultimate goal. Now, earlier you alluded to these kits. And having connected with Kate Marie, these kits are so powerful, yet they're really simple. Can you kind of break it down what these kits are and what purpose they serve? Absolutely. So the kits actually have two functions. And the reason that we focused on the kit is because we found that in many low resource settings, there simply weren't any clean resources. So they just, women just didn't, these comadronas didn't have any tools at bedside to take care of women. Or if they were using tools to do home deliveries, they were dirty, they were old, they were unsanitary. So the first goal was just to make sure that every birth was clean and safe, 
And then the second goal was to make sure that the births were being done sort of correctly and the women were being referred in the event of an emergency correctly. So inside each birth kit is actually a pictorial set of instructions that go through how to perform a delivery and also when to refer if there's an emergency. Like what are the warning signs that mean you need to quickly refer this woman to the hospital? The fact that it's pictorial, I mean, that really just enables it to be used in so many different ways. And kind of even if somebody steps in who maybe hasn't been trained for whatever reason, they now have the tools at their hands. Absolutely. I think that what's most shocking when I sort of discuss these things um, in the United States, you know, among women, among pregnant women or women that have delivered here um, or have had no women who've delivered here, is that we have so many doctors in the United States. We have so many doctors. We have so many trained midwives and trained nurses that participate in the delivery process. When you go to the basically most of the rest of the world, like over 90% of the deliveries are being done by semi-skilled or untrained providers outside of the hospital. So in Kenya, where we are, 80% of the deliveries are done outside of the home. In Guatemala, where we are, 84% of the deliveries are done outside of the hospital. I mean, not the home. They're done in the home. So, you know, you're talking about a very precarious situation for the woman if there's a true emergency. Oh, I can't even, I mean, I've never been pregnant, but the thought of having it at home is just so scary. Absolutely. Just I think so. (laughs) I don't know how people do it. And in the United States, they do it actually out of choice often, but it is. But you have a midwife there to help kind of facilitate this. Absolutely. Well, in in most circumstances, yes, absolutely. And there's still someone trained and there's a plan for, you know, going to the hospital if needed, you know, and in those in those situations, usually there's a formal plan in place. But um, it is it is very scary to deliver. I mean, even if you're prepared, even if you're in the best facility, even if you have the best doctor and the best resources, it is a very vulnerable time for women. And I think it's at baseline scary and then not to have all the support or really any support is just, it makes it so even that much scarier. Yeah. The whole process sounds terrifying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I admire the women who have been able to go through that. And everyone says, you know, you have a magic bundle come out and it's so worth it, but whoo, it's, it's a little terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I want to focus on next is within these kits, you have chlorhexidine swabs. And that is something that Kate Marie with Babies for Babies was really focused in. So what exactly are these swabs? So uh, after the baby is born, um, it's attached to the placenta by an umbilical cord. And so we cut the cord at delivery. So right before cutting the cord, we swab the cord with chlorhexidine. And chlorhexidine is an antiseptic. And there have been a few studies using chlorhexidine now globally that have shown that if you simply swab the umbilical cord with chlorhexidine, you will decrease the rates of neonatal infection. So neonatal sepsis, um, infection of the newborn. And that's so important because in these communities, there is no way often to take care of a very sick newborn. You know, there's no, there's no, what we have here called a NICU, which is an ICU setting for the newborn. There's little antibiotics 
you know, and care of the newborn is quite frankly, in most places worse than care of the mother. So um, it gives the baby the best chance of minimizing infection and being born healthy so that it can continue to thrive. Oh, such an, an important piece. But with these things, how expensive is a chlorhexidine swab? Um, it's roughly a dollar. That's... We buy them in bulk, but it's roughly a dollar. That's so affordable yet these families just weren't having access to them and these midwives, but it's so crucial. Absolutely. The entire kit costs $10. Oh. Um, and so we, we, now, we now manufacture them um, through a partnering company. So they actually will prepare them for us in the way that we want with the instructions and with all of the, the key elements. But it's not an expensive kit. It's literally $10 to save a mommy and baby's life. Whew. That that really drives it home right there. Absolutely. So, if you had to put a price, I, that's, you know, I would say these kits really do a lot to improve the lives of women, of moms and babies globally. Before the interview, you and I were talking and you had mentioned that earlier you weren't able to provide these chlorhexidine swabs, but through the relationship with Babies for Babies, now you're able to ensure that they're in every kit. Absolutely. So through the partnership, um, and Kate had a very, you know, strong desire to focus on, you know, one item that she felt would be very um, impactful, which I, I think is great. Um, and the studies looking at chlorhexidine had come out maybe like two, two and a half years ago now. Um, so we decided to incorporate chlorhexidine, you know, through her, her, through her funding it and and us wanting to put sort of the best supplies into the kit, it was just a natural, you know, it was a natural partnership. So with her company, she kind of highlights the fact that with every purchase, you can save four lives. Can you kind of back that statement up? Well, so for every, with every purchase, and I think the purchases are a range of different costs, um, but she will donate um, about you know, depending, but depending again on the cost, she will donate a portion to us, but then we'll go towards the kit. So if each chlorhexidine swab costs a dollar, then four of those dollars would come back to us to put towards those kits. Oh, such a unique way that she kind of set up this relationship with you guys to really, as you said, drive home that impact. And when you were saying that she was very adamant about it, I can imagine that. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I, you know, it's very, honestly, it's very important to be passionate about global women's health, because I think in general, we have a lot of our own health issues in the United States. So it is, it is difficult sometimes to step outside yourself and to consider the situation for women in other parts of the world. But I can tell you their situation is dire. Too many women die giving life of totally preventable causes, and we should definitely be doing more. Women are not prioritized globally. You know, many think that maternal death is, and I agree with this, maternal death is a human rights issue that women are facing in these countries because they're not being prioritized. And um, so, you know, we do we do a lot for our women, the kids. We we have we construct all kinds of programs at our various sites, um, and we do believe very strongly in low cost, high impact interventions. 
So the kid is one example of that. Talking a little bit about just raising awareness, and we had touched on this a little bit before the interview, and I would just love to drive that home about especially for women who have gone through pregnancy and had children, that there's a special bond that you just connect with other women and you all of a sudden have a community. Through this partnership with Babies for Babies that is really connecting with you know, mothers of newborns and really young ones, how have you seen this global community kind of come alive? I mean, I think it is it is just amazing because, and this is sort of what I was saying before, but as a mother myself, you know, I have two young children. Um, and, you know, from the moment they're born, you know, till the moment, you know, you die, I guess, <laughs> your main worry is them, really. And so it is, and it is a universal feeling. You know, the mom that has the most resources, you know, loves and cares about her child's welfare, the same as the woman who has none. So you can only imagine that in these dire situations when there, where there really is no resources and no ability to take care of the children, how much those women must suffer, you know, just being moms. Um, but I think it links us because it gives us a general um, understanding of how important it is that women in pregnancy and childbirth be well taken care of, that their newborns be well taken care of, and that they go on to lead healthy, healthy lives. Um, there actually are statistics. Uh, for every mom, if the mom dies, her newborn is 50% more likely to die in the first year of life and is substantially more likely, uh, you know, if the baby doesn't die, to basically not be able to contribute to society. And that, that figure is not well-defined, but they basically don't go on to have jobs and to be part of the, the community in a way that allows them to prosper. And it's because the mom is the cornerstone of, of most societies around the globe, and the moms are the ones who fight, typically, um, for their children's well-being in many of these resource-poor settings. So if a mom dies, you know, the life of her newborn is also at risk really emphasizing the power and the need for the work that you guys are doing globally. Absolutely. Can you tell us a story about one time when you guys were able to administer these kits and the impact that it had directly on those individuals? Yeah, so um, there are many stories, but I thought I would kind of lighten it with a kind of a more funny story. I love funny stories. And this is kind of a grim topic, so I, I do appreciate that. Exactly, exactly. So let, we'll lighten the mood a little bit. So um, I first, when we first trialed these kits in Guatemala, we got all of the birth attendants together. And we sat down with them, and we wanted to make sure they understood every item that was in the kit um, and what its purpose was and how they needed to use it and how they could best use it. Um, and so we gave everyone kits, and they took the Purell bottle out of the kit. And this actually is a, is a very similar story in Africa when we were in Liberia, very similar story. They took the Purell bottle out of the kit, and they kind of looked at me, and they looked at the bottle. <laughs> And they were like, what is this? And then I turned it over 
and I showed them how you can just push the bottle and a drop falls into your hands and, and it dissolves on your hands and it cleans your hands. And I swear, it was like I had magic powers. <laughs> <laughs> the bottle that drips this crazy substance. This crazy thing. And then it's like invisible on your hands and your hands are clean. So, so that was one really... Like, it is kind um, of magic when you put it that way. It's kind of magic. Yeah. If you've never seen it before, if you don't have clean water at your disposal, if you don't have running water at your disposal, you know, that's pretty impressive. So that's actually why we added Purell. It makes, or any hand sanitizer that we can get, it's, it doesn't have to be a brand hand sanitizer. Um, just the magic clear liquid that makes your hands perfectly clean. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so that was one. And then the other was when I watched one of our birth attendants use the kit once at a delivery, one of the very first times, um, she took all the items out of the kit and she only put, she put on one glove and she kept the other glove in the kit and she only put her right glove on. And I said, well, why are you only using one glove? And she said, well, doc- doctor, you know, I'm, I'm not going to use two gloves. I don't need two gloves. You know, I only need one glove because I'm only going to touch the baby with one hand. And I said, okay, well, that's going to be kind of hard, you know, to do a delivery just with one hand. And um, and she said, well, you know, and this kind of underscores just how resource poor these settings are. She basically said, well, but I don't know when I'm going to get another glove. And, you know, I need to keep my other glove. I need to save it, you know. And I said, no, no, use both gloves. We'll, we'll get you more gloves. <laughs> the doctor and you is just like sitting there going, oh my gosh. But you're right. That does underscore the resources and how something as simple as a glove can be glove. so valuable. Absolutely. I mean, really, the kits themselves, as I said, they cost $10, but it's like they're gold. You know, they will they will hold on to them. They will take care of them. We were very careful, though. The kit is very we thought about the kit a lot. So nothing in the kit can really be reused because we really don't want the items in the kit being used from one delivery to the next. doesn't sound very sanitary. It's not sanitary. And the whole point of the kit is that it's a one-time use sort of thing. But you have to remember, these are cultures in which everything is, you know, prioritized and, you know, they don't easily throw things away. Um, so we had to make sure that the items were very specifically limited to one delivery, you know, a razor blade that you couldn't use for a a number of other purposes because a scissor you can use for many things, you know? So just sort of those little things that we really thought about, you know, what items to include and, you know, how, how to teach them how to use those items. You guys really did go full circle of how to approach this issue, even down to the way you designed the products in the kit to ensure they were only used to helping these women deliver. Absolutely. Yes. Fantastic. Dr. Tarrett, thank you so much for all of your insights today and for all of the work that you guys are doing around the globe. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to learn more about us, we're at savingmothers.org. And we will definitely have that in the show notes because this is an organization that you need to connect with and really understand that the work that they're doing abroad. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, movers and shakers, I can't think of a better way to go into Mother's Day than really diving into the different work that Saving Mothers is doing around the world to make sure that thousands upon thousands of mothers get to go home with their newborns and that they get to celebrate those years ahead. For all of the resources mentioned, head on over to our show notes page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash stories slash babies for babies. There we're going to have some photos of Dr. Tara Shirazian in the field working with these communities, as well as some of the communities that are rallying behind this cause and helping mothers around the world. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place. <laughs>